to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, we just had a great episode. Last week we filmed it. It was really fun, you know, and I'm glad that we had... Did we forget the change? Is that what's going on here? You know, I, I noticed that we're wearing the same clothes <laughs> that we did last week. You know, and, and anybody who's joining us live, you can vouch for us that that we definitely, and in no way, just stopped filming the previous episode. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so for those who, who don't know and don't listen to this crazy man over here... <laughs> We're filming a few episodes of a very special board game breakdown. Mm-hmm. This one being our top 100 games of all time as of this uh, year. Uh, who knows what it's going to be in a couple years or so. Yeah. But this is interesting to me because we haven't done a board game breakdown in a while since a Rob Davio interview. And this time we're doing a board game breakdown of our favorite games. Yeah. And this is a second episode, so we've already done the top or the bottom twenty, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, numbers one hundred through eighty-one. One, and this one is going eighty to sixty-one. Yeah, and I feel like these are very important lists, and I and not just to kind of like justify why we're doing it, mm-hmm. but I feel like one of the big things when I was getting into the hobby is I would watch the top tens and I would watch the top one hundreds because if I saw like a certain reviewer. And they did their top 100 games, and I said, and I found out, oh wow, I like 95 of these games. Then that tells me that if they recommend a game, I am gonna very much probably, probably, probably like it. Yeah, and so for us too, it shows our audience our differences. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it when we started this. We come from very different aspects. I come from like just the playing the games and enjoying. Uh, thematic games, the the Ameritrash style, yep. with some Euro. I enjoy Euros as well, but Absolutely. I love thematic games. Whereas you're all coming, you're coming from the designer aspect of the oh that makes sense or this yeah. does something new or, uh, and on this list I already see it here, and it's shocking to me how high this got on the list. I've only just recently played it, and we'll get to it when it happens. But it, I mean, it's literally. Uh, a time of air airing of this, maybe three or four weeks when this airs, that yeah. the, I played this game. And yeah. it's already this high on the list. I think <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. And so, yeah. But, and this is what makes it so interesting is I, you know, it, it's interesting to see like which ones we played a hundred times versus which one, oh, we played a few weeks ago. Yeah. Like, how is it already this high? That says Paramount. So, of course, this will definitely change. Yeah. And uh, if you want to hear the caveats of what we did and did not include in our list, check out the last episode. At the beginning of it, we explained all that. Yeah. Um, um, I did mention this as well. Um, if you notice um, Jaws the Lion or Gloomhaven or something like that. And I did mention kind of when it, when it comes up. Mm-hmm. If it plays similar or is basically a sequel that doesn't change anything, like Jaws the Lion is a prequel to Gloomhaven, yep. I eliminated it. So sure. I only have one of those games on the list. So today we're going to be going through numbers 80 through 61. Uh, hopefully we will leave without bruises. Uh, there may be some, some infighting, but we'll see. And so now, let's see who goes first. So one, two, three, four, five, six. That sounds good to All me. All right. So I rolled the exact same, same number, number. I did four, <laughs> a, a four. And so I will begin. So my number 80 was made about... I want to say at least 30, maybe 40-something years ago. It's one of the older games on my list, and it is a Splendor Killer for me. 
and which, believe it or not, I think Splendor Older was, game, but Splendor Killer. Yeah, and so I played Splendor before I, I knew about this game, and it's from one of my favorite designers of all time. And as soon as I played it, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, no, this replaces Splendor is for this, me entirely. Is that Sid Saxon game? It is a Sid Saxon game. It's okay. called Bizarre. Yeah. And it's a very interesting game because what you're trying to do, you have two random cards that are dealt out at the beginning of each game. And each of these cards have different conversions on them. And the way that works is basically, like, you have five different uh, colors of coins. You might have, like, blue, red, green, yellow, and white. And some might say, oh, you trade a green for two blues. And then another one might say you trade a blue and a green for three yellows and a white. You know, it's just, like, completely bizarre, weird combinations. And you can trade in either direction. I could trade like three yellows and a white for a blue and a green, if that makes sense. Because what you're trying to do, and it's the first one, it's bizarre, like a, a trading market. And the reason why you're trying to downtrade or be efficient is because when you get uh, when you get a card, like it'll, it always has five coins on it. When you buy one of those cards, depending on how many cards you have remaining, or coins you have remaining, is how many points you get. So the more efficient that you trade, the more points you're going to score throughout the game. So for example, uh, the I know the first one, you would get three points if you buy it and you have zero coins remaining. If you have one coin remaining, it's two points. Two coins remaining, it's one point. Uh, and it's just one point regardless of how many coins you have at that point. If they're one of the more difficult ones, it could be up to five or even eight points if you do it perfectly efficiently. It's absolutely brilliant. If you haven't tried it, it's a, kind of hard to find. They did reprint it, I think, in the... I want to say in the 80s. No, this this game is at least from the 60s, so I know it's at least uh, about 50, 60 years old. So it's worth looking into. And I know they reprinted I think Eagle Griffin Games reprinted it uh, fairly recently, in the past like, 10, 15 years. Ago. I only just recently heard about this game, so... Yeah, it, you haven't played it yet, have no, you? No, I have not. I think you would really dig it. Like, there's it. It's one of those things where it really doesn't have any right being that fun, but it works really well. And just the idea, it's a completely different thing. You're not just trading in, getting the most resources that you can, because that's inefficient. You're really, like, you're focused on... You're inefficient. To, I, you know, I can be. <laughs> but the thing is, with this game, is that you're trying to trade as as most efficiently as you can to rack up the most points. It's so smart. I love it. It is Bizarre by Sid Saxon. You're bizarre. What's your number 80, sir? My number 80? I'm not even sure if you like this game. Probably uh, not. Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just assuming. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think you have played it. I don't know if it hit the way it hit for me. I really enjoy this game. I picked it up at one of our trade-ins. Uh, and it came with the expansion in it as well, and that is Paper Tales. I, I really enjoy this game. It's colorful. It's beautiful. I enjoy the solo play of it. I have a good time with it. You're playing cards out in a line so to battle and stuff like that and claim other cards. In a sense, it's kind of a deck builder, but not really. I enjoy it. Um, but the solo 
is the reason why this hit so high for me because I really enjoyed. I suck at the solo hardcore, but I love difficult solo games because it makes me think and try to play it pos- as best as possible. You're trying to get your the most amount of points basically on your cards, but you're fighting a a villain. Uh, I think it's like uh, the Under Demon or something like that. And you got to whittle it down, and it just it hacks me up every time I play. I've played it on easy, I played it on medium, I even tried it at hard just to see how difficult it can be, and it just ruins me. But I have a good time with it. It's a small game that plays like in five rounds. Stronghold Games, one of their prettiest games on this list, or not on this list, but on the in general, they're they're not known for their their great covers mm-hmm. and just great art in general. But no, my number 80, Paper Tales. I really enjoy it. It's kind of fairy tale-ish, but origami. Beautiful design. But I don't want to go too much into it. Let's keep going. Okay. Yeah, the, I think the reason I, I ended up not liking it is, you know how like some games, you want a game to, to give you that sense of like, oh, I don't have enough time to do everything I want. Yeah. And, and that's good in a game. This doesn't give you enough time to do anything, anything. you want. <laughs> yeah, it plays really quickly. I think that's fast. why I like it, but yeah. the, it's because of the solo mode. If it was just multiplayer, I don't think it would be this high. But no. because of how difficult and how fun I have playing that solo mode is yeah. why it uh, paper tells as in stories. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so uh, my number 79. I referenced I referenced this game while talking about one in our previous list. And uh, that's because Reiner Knizia took the core mechanism of Elder Sign and turned it into a completely different game. And it is called Age of War. And it's a... You're given the face. Like, I, I mean, if you like the mechanism behind Elder Sign, Age of War is just that. Now, granted, it doesn't have the story or the combos or the theme, or just about anything else in it. But it doesn't need to. It's just a quick little filler game. You're playing, you're, you're aiming for a card, you try and meet all of the objectives each time. If you're able to do it, then you score those points. Set it aside, and uh, it, it works really well. Me and my wife love playing it, and we've always had a good time just, like, busting out, you know, a few cards and some dice, and it's a, it's a brilliantly simple game. And I always have an appreciation for ones like that. So my number 79 is Age of War. And for our audio listeners, I'm just going to show how cool the cover of Paper Tales is to our audience. Um, but So I'm just showing the cover of Paper Tales. Yeah, it's a great cover. It really is. Phenomenal cover. And yes, I don't have a poker face. I just like giving Danny. Uh, I actually can play poker pretty well. I just don't give it to him. I don't want to show him my tail because he's a magician. I might figure it out. <laughs> All right. So my number 79 is a game that you showed me. I ended up getting a copy of it because I really enjoyed it. And when we're talking about push your luck games, this is probably one of my favorites. Okay. And this is about uh, driving airships and getting as many points as you possibly can. Celestia. Celestia is amazing uh for when it comes to push your luck you're you're trying to decide if we're going to keep going or if i'm going to jump the ship or i'm going to play this jet pack and i'm good i'm getting my points right here (laughs) i'm not going any further because what happens is when you're the captain you got to roll the dice and i can't exactly which i think it's like if you get three of one um type of die face 
you basically blow up or something happens. I can't remember. No, it, if you're not able to discard the cards. The cards, yes, rolled. yeah. The discard the cards in your hands that you rolled. You got to either decide to keep moving on or jump ship. If you're the passenger, the captain's got to keep going unless yeah. he can't spin the die. If, if, if everybody stays in, the captain can then decide, you know what? I'm stopping here. These are where my points are going to be. But other than that, you got to roll the die and you got to let other people decide if they're going to jump ship and take the points or they're going to ride uh, ride as far as they can with the captain. And it's a phenomenal game. Have a great time with it. So, and you can have as many cards in your hand. And what I like about it is if like someone's got two cards in their hand and they're rolling the die, you're like, nope, I'm going to take these five points right here and just leave because I don't think you have that in your hand and you're... You're trying to use the poker face uh, with the other players in there to because if you don't get points and they stay with you, they don't get points either. Yeah, it's a really good game. I don't know if it made my list. I, I was looking through it real quick. I don't think it did. Yeah, because I have so many group push or luck games that. I mean, it, if anything, I showed uh, this to Ink and Gold would have. I show this, and Ink and Gold is also known as Diamond, correct? Yeah, because that's the one I was arguing on the. We're doing the on the. Yeah. But um, everybody I've shown Celestia to have a great time with this, and this holds quite a bit of people. I think it's what two to or two to six. I think so. Something like that. Yeah, it holds a good amount of people. Phenomenal game. I think it was called something else. Was it in like Cloud Nine or something yeah. like that? It's a it reprint Cloud of Cloud Nine. Nine. Um, Celestia is my seventy nine. Cool, good pick. I do completely agree with that. Next one is another Reiner Kinesia game that I think you need to give another try to. I really strongly believe that in a large group. Because we only played a two-player, and auction games just aren't great in two-player. But it's a brilliant game. It's called Ra. Ra is an, Egy- <laughs> it's an Egyptian-themed uh, auction game. Okay. The, all the tiles score in different Egyptian ways. Egyptian theme? <laughs> right. It, it's e- it, the setting is Egyptian, and the tiles are Egyptian-esque pictures. The way it works is, well, I mean, kind of the flood and the river work, you know, that's that's technically thematic, and you're building monuments, so, you know, whoever has the majority of parts of the mine, okay, so the theme doesn't work, <laughs> but that's beside the point. I like this, the fact that you have set currencies in your tokens that uh, they're numbered from 1 to 13, and everybody has one, and when you do an auction, you are bidding just those tokens. And so you might want that those tiles really more than anybody else, and you might use your highest bid token, but then that becomes part of the pool for the next auction. I think that's super cool, and it's definitely something you haven't seen before, I don't think. Um, I haven't seen it before, and I think it's just really smart how it works. And that's raw. Uh, I, I, Daniel, I want you to try it again with a, with a big group. I think you'll like it. Oh, sorry. You, you said Kenitsia and I passed out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just wait. To, I'm sure Sp- there's more. Speaking of passing out, number 78 on my list is a game that you don't hate, but you don't really like. And especially because of how long this game can be. We played a three-player version of it and it took us three hours. Okay. And it's Cthulhu Mythos. Is it Eldritch? It's Eldritch Horror. Four hours, sir. <laughs> Four hours. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much what he was doing while we we're playing the game. But I really enjoy this no, game. No, it's not that I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I hate it. 
I'm not playing that game ever again. No, I enjoy it. Um, me and the wife, this is one of the first games we really started playing. Um, we really enjoyed it. It's a long game. I, I'm not going to lie. Even if you play it solo, it's going to take you an hour, hour and a half. Yep. Um, you have, like, the big bats. In fact, I don't know if you could see it. It's right behind him. But I have almost every expansion. I'm missing some of the smaller expansions as well as the most recent big box expansion. Which should have been a small box expansion because it's just cards. But I enjoy it. I like the HP Lovecraft stories. I don't like the author himself. But the stories are something I really enjoyed. The creepiness, the the darkness, the macabre. And so this just, one hit... Just to clarify, it's called Eldritch Horror. Yeah, it's Eldritch Horror. I did, I, we did say Eldritch Horror. Yeah, I'm just clarifying. <laughs> clarifying. Yeah. Uh, but it is... Um, Probably my second or third favorite of the Cthulhu Mythos games from Fantasy Flight. I think for sure there's one more higher up on this list. Maybe two. I'm not exactly sure. But I enjoy it. It just, again, it's a long game, so it doesn't really hit the table as much. And it's very lucky. It's a Fantasy Flight game. We've talked about this. It's dice chucking. you got to meet a certain amount of points. With this one... Unless you're blessed, you have to hit a five or six on your die for you to hit a success. And you're dependent upon what your character can do. So he's got like five stats. So if you only get to roll two die and you have to hit two successes, you need a five or a six on both those dies. And a bless only helps you somewhat because it makes half the die possible of being successful. Four, five, and six. So yeah, it's lucky. I do. I enjoy the game. I love the mythos of it. Um, in fact... I think there's two, three more, actually, like more than this, but I don't know if they all made the list. We'll find out. Um, no, I, I don't completely hate you for this answer, or for that, that choice. I get why you like it. Uh, I think you understand why I don't, but I don't I don't dislike it because I think it's bad. I just didn't like, I just didn't have fun playing it. It's long. Speaking I think... of games that the other person doesn't like playing, <laughs> I know why you don't like this one. Because it's boring and bland? No, it's pretty exciting. Um, You hate the culture behind it. And the reason it's on my list is because I've grown up playing this. And it has a soft spot in my heart. And I still enjoy playing it. Uh, And it's not the culture. It's the the people in the 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 community. community. Yeah. And and I totally get that. And that's the reason why it's this low on my list. And that is Magic the Gathering. I mean, if you don't know what Magic the Gathering is... I don't hate the game. I don't know why it's you, because of the community. I don't like playing it. Yep, and that's fair, and that's really, and that's very fair. But it is also kind of random, yeah. and it is very lucky. But I mean, and you taught me how every, to play it, so I didn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> every time I've played it, I've, I've just, I know I've always gone like on long spells of not playing it and going, okay, like I'm finally done with it. All right, and then my friend will call me. It's like, hey, let's just play, play with a couple packs. Like, all right, fine, I'll. I'll I'll do you a favor, and we have a blast every time. Yeah. And I still have fun with every set that comes out, and it's because I don't know what it is about it, but Magic is just a really fun game. So it, it really wouldn't have made sense not to make my top one. No, game. no, I understand why it's there, because, again, you have the history with it as well. Yeah. I've probably played it for more than 20 years now, Like yeah. think, thinking about it. I started in 2001, so more than 20 years now. Yeah, so I didn't really get into it back in the day when it was really, really big in the 90s. And when I could, oh, excuse me, when I could actually start playing it, I was playing sports, so all that money 
that I had went to the sports equipment and stuff like that. So I yeah. couldn't be into that money suck. I'm <laughs> nerd for life right here. Hey, I read comics. That's that's my nerd cred. I was I was reading comics before it was cool. Yeah. And thanks, Creative Chaos, for pointing out how old I am. I appreciate that. Which makes me sad because I'm older. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think you've stuck to any specific game for more than 20 years, have you? At least one that's on your list? Well, on my list, no, because I've only been uh, modern board gaming for uh, seven years. Yeah, okay. So that would be kind of hard to stick to a game on my list for 20 right. years. Uh, it came to video games. I've played every single Zelda since they came out. <laughs> when they came out? No, not, not when they quite. came out. My brothers had the original Zelda on the NES, and okay. I started playing it when I was like five or six. So oh, Okay, so a couple years later. Yeah. No. It's not bad. And so moving on off our tangent here, uh, my number 77 is a deck builder game that I, I think you enjoy, but you're not I'm not you're not as enthralled as it with I am. And that is and I, I personally prefer to play this one at two players. It can go up to four. But I will only play it at two players, and that is Ascension. Oh yeah, I dig this game. I have a great time playing it. In fact, it's another one that I'd hardly get to the table because of the, how good the app is, and I play that all uh, all the time. Sometimes online, sometimes against the AI at the hardest di- uh, hardest difficulty. But I enjoy this game, and I like the fact that you can mix and match uh, um, decks. I guess you can say the the packs they have. Like standalone expansions for the last what ten years or so since it's been out because I think it's uh, the one I have on my list here is Ascension X so it's the tenth pack War of Shadows. There's a lot to it so just pick and choose whatever you want to play. I personally, if I could find it, is want the Ascension Champions where you can start playing with the champion um, that a leader basically to help you find out which one you want it's it's really quick and simple um deck builder where you're trying to get the most points and depending on how who you're playing with or against if it's a two-player game you have Mm -hmm. a a minimum amount of gems so once that runs out you finish out the turn and then that's it you get most points at the end of the game win but i like the fact that you can fight monsters or you're buying cards you can um fight cultists just to give you a little bit of points if you have like two attack or something like that it's great i enjoy this game i have a good time playing it it's one of my favorite deck builders ascension do you know if the app is still free because i remember it was free for the longest time and i think it's the base set still is i think the base set is still is um i've plugged in a lot of money onto the app i have every oh, single oh, yeah. i have every expansion except for i think the most recent one because i just haven't played it for a while sure but uh i i dig this game i have a great time playing it it's like i said i i prefer it too i've played it at four players it's fine yeah. i i just think it's really good at two yeah it, it's a great game i i don't disagree with you whatsoever Creative Chaos, if it sounds interesting, download the app. The base set is free, and it's it's fun. Yeah, I think so. I couldn't yeah. check because I already own it on this phone, so... Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure it's free. If it's not, you know, spend at your own discretion. Yeah. Number 76, also a Reiner Knizia game. But this is one that you don't you don't hate too bad in because you brought it up earlier. And you know, you know what it is. It's Lost Cities. Uh, Lost Cities what do you mean game. I don't like? That's probably my least favorite of his. Really? I don't like the math in it. Oh, okay, yeah, the math is pretty ridiculous. Because <laughs> the, the idea of, Lo- of Lost Cities is that you're going on up to five different excursions, 
um, to find these lost cities of different things. There's no theme. But you have to play cards. You can only play a card at a higher number than what you have previously played. So if I already have a number seven down, then you can't, or I can't play one through six after that. Uh, what makes it interesting, and and I like, I don't like having to do the math in it, but I do like the idea of the scoring, is that if you play any number of cards, um, any number of cards in any one of the, the excursions that you're going on, then you immediately get a minus 20 penalty to it because, you know, discovering lost cities is pretty expensive. So what you're going to do is you're going to add up your numbers. So if I have uh, a 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, then that is 15, 20, uh, 45. So, or 35, I believe. And so you're taking that, that points, minusing 20 from it. So your score is 15. Multiply it by the number of handshakes. That's your score for that. Most score per round, or for each of those categories, wins. Uh, it's it's a really smart game. I like it. I get why you don't, but I think it's pretty fun. I need my and... emotional support puppy right now, because I'm bored to tears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the board game does it better, is because you're just moving your pawn, and it does the math for you. Honestly, if I had to choose between Lost Cities and playing Cribbage, I'd, I'd pick Cribbage. <laughs> your dog heard you. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, if you don't mind, if you don't mind the math in it, it's it's because it's not mid-game scoring. You are just doing the math at the very end of the game. It's fine. Um, it's really not bad. It's a little weird at first, but it's also available on Board Game Arena, and that's why it is my number seventy-six. Lost Cities. All right, my number seventy-six is a game I haven't played a physical copy of, and I'm surprised it climbed up this list. But as I was going through the thing, and I'm like. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to break my top 100 because I'd rather play this over this. I'd rather play this over this. And that is Boomerang Australia. Another roll right here. This is a great game. It, it's not complicated at all, but you're trying to... Actually, would this be a rolling right or a flipping right? It's a rolling right because it's a draft. It's a draft uh, and right. Really. Draft and right, really. And you're drafting basically... Uh, again, I've only played the board game arena, so I think I'm assuming it's cards. Yep. And you're trying to either match cards. match a location or numbers or photos on the stop sign or the signs. Yep. There's many or ways to or activities. Yeah. yeah, I enjoy it. It's a phenomenal game. I have a great time playing it. I think this is another Scott Holmes. It is a Scott Holmes. Yes. <laughs> so he's hit my top 100 twice already. Uh, back in the 90s was I think Dragon Almanac Dragon. Um, yep. And then now this one. Great games. Uh, Boomerang, I want to get a physical copy of it. I just haven't yet. It's it's really good. I had a great time with it. Same same here. If I owned it, it would be on my top 100. I, I strongly believe that. Maybe. I mean, maybe playing with the actual cards is incredibly boring. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. To I don't online. know. But you, you never know. Uh, my next one, number 75, I actually own, but I have not played my physical copy either. <laughs> I've only ever played it on Board Game Arena. And... It is technically a play cards and move game. It, it's a it's kind of a race game. It is Luxor. And what makes <sighs> this game so cool is you just have a spiral track that goes into the middle of the pyramid. But what makes it so neat is you have a hand of five cards that you can't change the order. And you can only ever play the one on the far right or the far left. But it solves a lot of the problems that roll and move have. 
Like, if you have a roll and move with one pawn, you don't have any choice to where that pawn moves, of course. Yep. But if you have multiple pawns, which this does, then you do suddenly have choice. Do I want to move this pawn or this pawn or this pawn that number of spaces? So Parcheesi. Kind of. But what <laughs> makes it even neater is you're you're effectively racing to the middle. That's where you get the most points. But all of your pawns, will, uh, Meeple specifically, will score based on how far they get along. And you draft the cards you take and you put them into the middle of your hand. So you're not going to see it for at least two more turns. And because you can only play the outside cards. It's super neat. And what you land on gives you bonuses. What uh, Getting past certain checkpoints gets you more workers that you can then rack up more points and get more combinations with. So you're trying to go fast, but you're also trying to unlock certain things. It, it's super cool. I, I think this is a really smart game. I can see why it was nominated for the spiel. Um, I get why it didn't win, but it, it was enough where I definitely had to buy a physical copy as soon as I played it. I thought it was phenomenal. So that is uh, Luxor, my number 75. All right. So my number 75 is probably going to be the start of a run of this designer games because I enjoy quite a bit of them. And I bet you there's quite a bit of it in the top 100. And that is a Phil Walker Harding game. Okay. Um, I'll give you a hint. I just recently bought it after a trip to El Paso. Ah, yes. Gingerbread house. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just recently played it too, um, with a friend of ours, the, the one I mentioned quite a bit on here, Gamehead Geek. Um, he's got a TikTok of us playing or about us playing it. So go check him out on TikTok, mm -hmm. but it is a good game. I like the fact that it's got the fairy tale theme, but honestly, the, the, when we talk about theme painted on, this could really yeah, there's be. No theme. <laughs> there's no theme. It's basically you're you're playing your tiles out and you're trying to get your, the most points by capturing uh, these creatures. So you're trying to get gingerbread uh, cookies to capture the cre creatures. Any of the ones that are out for everybody to see are the ones that you've locked up in your personal prison, so no one else can get it. And most points at the end of the game wins. It's very simple. You're just laying your tiles out. You're trying to complete levels. This way you can put wild tiles out. Um, mostly you're collecting cookies, but you can also imprison a card if you play over a prison. So what happens when you play your tile, you get what you play over. So it could be a specific cookie. So it's like the, the, the hearts, the pentagon, or the diamonds, the circle, which are the yellows, greens, pink, and um, blue. Yeah. And you can also get, uh, again, you play over prison, you get a prison. If you play over stairwell, you get a stairwell, which could help you raise your level. Because you can never put your domino uh, tile catequonkus, I guess you can say. Yep. And so you put the stairwell on it, and it levels it out. And you can still get the reward from under it. And it is phenomenal. Have a great time playing it. If you play the basic, you're just... Um, uh, rules you just get points if you complete a level but if you play the advanced rules you get maybe a bonus action or mm -hmm. into game scoring so if you have the most angry faces of the people who you've captured or for every angry face you get two points or something like that so it gives you a target to start capturing after the angry faces or the happy faces it's phenomenal it's a really good game it's very simple if you want to play the advanced or the the basic rules and it's not too difficult if you play with the advanced rules it right. just changes a few things but that's gingerbread house yep great pick do you think it's on my list maybe okay. i think it's one of your favorite phil walker harding so i think it might be on your list okay 
We'll see. Not to give any spoilers, but we'll find out. Mind number 74 plays up to eight players. And it's technically a party game, but it's the most points or money at the end of the game wins. QE? Nope. And this one has one of the funniest components. Ah, uh, well, wait, nope. You said funniest components, so it's not the one I was thinking. Which one were you thinking? Wits and Wagers? No, it has one of the funniest components, and that's because technically you could have just used your fingers like this, but it came with big foam oh, guns. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about this one. passion guns. Yeah. You're all trying to eliminate each other, just pointing, you know, at different people. Uh, it's so great, like, watching, you know, my relatives, like, my mom pointing at me during a holiday party, pointing guns at me with, like, my wife and both of my kids all, like, <laughs> it's like, well, I guess I'm jumping out because I'm going to get shot if I <laughs> You know, and it's all in good nature, but it is a bit awkward, you know, but it, it's so great. Cash and Guns, it's a phenomenal game. If you haven't played it, super fun. Basically, the idea is you're all mafioso family divvying up cash, but only whoever's in the round. <laughs> Uh, at the time yeah or and then of course if you get shot three faces well then you're done yeah so yeah no it cash and guns is fantastic highly encourage it my number 74 now i don't disagree uh this didn't make my list probably because it wasn't something i was keeping track at the time because i never owned it i have a friend who owns it um i mentioned him earlier but uh and he does too as well uh, there's actually, I think, three copies in our game group. Probably. Yeah. It's, it's a great Everyone game. Everyone but you. Uh, some people have issues about pointing guns, even if they're foam at other people. I sure. understand that. But I, what I like about this game and the best memory about it, I mentioned them earlier, the Game Head Geek. We play a game, every time we play this one, is like we don't pick our bullets. We just sometimes will end up pointing at us and we'll just put a card on the table and be like, do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> See, that, that's... <laughs> That's fun to have, like, one or two players doing it, but at the same time, like, like I, I love the idea of, like, I know exactly what I'm playing, and then I'm staring you down, you know that gun's going to be pointed at you, you know, it's like, alright, am I bluffing you, though, at that moment? That was so great. Yeah, I think it's the reason why we like it is because we're playing a game within a game, we're playing a little Russian roulette while playing the game. Yeah. Exactly. The table talk with that is so phenomenal. Yeah. Great time. It's a fun game. I'm sad that it didn't make my list, but I understand why it didn't because it just wasn't part of the track and of the 411 games that went through. What do you think? Probably, or it just missed out in the top 100. It'd be up there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, So my number 74 is probably another one of the start of a run for this one for a gaming company. And... I really, really enjoyed this one. I've only played it one time, but um, it actually beat the other game that's like this, and that's Between Two Castles, A Mad King Ludwig. Between Two Cities made it in, like, in the top 130. But the way, the reason why I like this one more, and I understand why it got this far, is because it blends those two games. I've never played the Mad King Ludwig, but uh, I know how it plays where you're trying to put built the best castle and put tiles at a certain place but you don't want things next to other things but you want this thing next to that thing this does that for mad king uh ludwig as well as between two cities and what i like about um the difference here is you can play your tile however you want between the two castles between like say you and me and then me and um bryce or over here and then bryce and dom and you and dom are 
building. So I'm building a castle here with you, and I'm building a castle here with uh, Bryce. And that's important because your lowest score is going to be your final score. Okay. And so if it's like you and me tied, that's when we our other castle is going to be the tiebreaker. Whoever has the highest score there wins. But what I like about it is that you don't have to follow the rules between two cities where you have to play, I think it's a 5x5 five five grid. This one you can build... The rules are certain buildings can either uh, be underground, but they have to. They don't have to be under a building. They just have to be connected to an already established area. So if it's underground, it can be under something, but it doesn't have to be next to something else unless you want to get the points. Whereas if you have an outdoor, you can't build above it. If you have this room, they kind of want to be around these other rooms. Great game. I really enjoyed it. And it's got a pretty decent solo play, too. Very cool. Yeah, good pick. My next one is a game of pure logic. It, it's it's a logical deduction game. It's not social deduction. But basically, and I know that the, it's gone under a few different names, but Looney Labs actually reprinted it. Oh, okay. I thought this was going to be the Sherlock one. Uh, no, no. This is a... Yeah, you're, you're thinking of something close to that. No, this is called Zendo. And the idea of this game is, you know, you have the, the pyramid pieces, you have <laughs> these, these strange pieces... It, it doesn't make a lick of sense the first time you play it. And, uh, and then it also doesn't make sense when somebody picks a really difficult rule. You, you got to pick a, a simple rule where I might... The rule might be, um, uh, let's say, a blue piece has to be touching a red piece. Okay? Very simple rule. And so you build a structure using these great pieces, and everybody else is trying to figure out what the rule is. And that's secret to the clue giver. And then... This is a better game than you give her credit for because you don't like thinking that hard. I know uh, you you like games where you okay. kill things with dice. Okay, you say no, you no. you say I'm I don't like thinking hard. My wife hates this game, and you know how much she likes uh, games that she can she think ahead. She doesn't like abstract though. She she has to have theme too, and I get that. I respect that choice. She's at least honest about it, <laughs> which you're hiding this from yourself, Daniel. You're you're admit you're trying to no. make this game claim that it's not a good game it's it's a phenomenal game and it's been played in a lot of different iterations i just happen to like the looney labs version and the components for it so the idea like i said let's say a blue piece has to touch a red piece so you'll build a structure where that is true and then you build a second structure where it is not true and everybody else will then build structures using these pieces there's either pyramids uh uh rectangles or wedges uh, I'm sorry, cuboid rectangulars and of different colors and different sizes and you're trying to build a structure. And so on your turn, we're trying to figure it out. You can ask, like, does this match the rule? If it's, if you say yes, then it does, you're good. If you tell the person no, you have to build a new structure to explain, but this one does. And so you're trying to get them to the point where they can get enough correct guesses, you bet on other players, and then... And then, uh, once you think you know the rule, you have to try and effectively guess the rule. And if you're correct, you win. I think it's a really brilliant game. I get why it's not everybody's... <laughs> cup of tea. Cup of tea, yeah. <laughs> because it's really... it's it, Honestly, it's one of the headiest games. Like, it's it's incredibly difficult to wrap your head around the first time you play it. I, I, I get that and, part of it. And I'm it's... sure I didn't do it justice by doing it. But once you get a few games of it in... And if that's your style, this hits every cylinder. And I really do like games like this. 
And when I first played it, I thought it was a really brilliant piece, or a really brilliant uh, game, and how it worked out. So that's why. And I do want to specify one more thing with this. I include this with uh, the Pyramid Arcade. I think the Pyramid Arcade from Looney Labs is phenomenal, but there's 20-something games in that box. And while I do have favorites from that, uh, I haven't played all of them, so I couldn't. I didn't justify putting Pyramid Arcade as as one of my highest ones. Yeah, no, I just, get that. Just for that reason. But Zendo, I think, is definitely up there and has every right to be. So, uh, <laughs> what is your next wrong pick? Oh, yeah, you want to say this is a wrong pick? Yeah. You're well, already sorry. saying it's yeah, a wrong pick? I'm assuming. My number 73 mm-hmm. is the one I talked about that I just played a few weeks ago. and that is juicy fruits yeah uh this is a great game honestly i I played it one time just a few weeks ago and it's already 73 and i want to pick up a copy of this it is a phenomenal game and what i like about it the most is the mechanism it is something so different because you've you've gotten resources and you bought in contracts and Mm -hmm. mini games but the way you get the resources in the this game puzzle. is a slide yeah. puzzle, in a sense. You come out with certain things. I don't remember how many it was, like four or five little blocks. And you're sliding across a, your personal board. And when you're sliding across how many spaces you go, you get that resource. So if it says if it's an orange in the basket, you're getting the orange. Um, as well as the other uh, fruit in it. Which is bananas, limes, plums, and other stuff. And it is just, it plays so quickly. In fact, it took us longer to read the rules than actually play this game. It was that good. And so, I'm not surprised it went up this list. And I'm mm-hmm. not surprised that I enjoyed it as much that I want to. And it's it's phenomenally produced. Capstone Games knocked it out of the park with this the cardboard's really nice really big chunky wood pieces Mm -hmm. this is a great game and again the slide puzzle and then as you're turning in contracts you can buy some of the boats so you can empty out your board a little bit more so you can start spending on those uh going far away and then you're buying contracts that can add new new things to your board like a a split fruit so you could get a fruit or or a, a lime or a banana and how many times you move that plus it gives you an additional one so if you choose to get bananas or a combination of so if i move it four places i can get two limes and two bananas plus an additional one of my choice out of those so in instance i'm getting five fruit great game and when we played this I beat you by one point. Mm-hmm. It was that good. Yeah, great pick with Juicy Fruit. So I, I completely agree with you on that one. It, man, when we played it, that was just a phenomenal experience. Mm-hmm. And, and we we may or may not talk about it later. I don't remember if I have it on my list. So we'll see. <laughs> but it was really good. I enjoy it. Yeah, it was really good. It had no right being that good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really when we were at, playing the rules, yeah, reading the rules, and we were like, oh my god, it's 9.30 at night, and you got to get out of here at 10, and we're still barely going to start the game after yeah. reading the rules for 30 minutes yeah and then we were done at like 9 55 <laughs> well i like the how we actually went through and read the rules it's like all right so when you do this this happens you're like okay on it it's like all right you need trading resources for these goodbye for either that or that okay cool yeah that's it yeah like, oh okay right, let's get started boom 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 boom, boom. done Turn 25 minutes we played a two-player game of juicy fruits and we're done yeah yeah it, it was almost longer and so uh, we're going to reply to one of our live commenters. Gloomhaven is the biggest invested board game other than that. Uh, big into Dune. How, okay. Or House, House of Betrayal. Betrayal House on the Hill. Uh, 
Yeah, there, there's some really good two-player, obviously thematic. Yeah. Um, Jaws of the Lion, if you haven't played it. Yeah, yet, Jaws of the Lion is really good if you're invested into Gloomhaven. Um, honestly, a lot of co-ops can play really well with two players. Yeah. Uh, Horrified is a good recommendation. Um, Back to the Future is another good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one's a bit difficult on the line, but if you want like uh, theme, Back to the Future comes out in spades. Yeah, it can be pretty good too. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely horrified. I mean, it, any it's of the escape room simple. boxes like X Exit yes. and Unlocked uh, would be good. Two players I actually like it with lower number counts than higher number so counts. So less people are just sitting on the side. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree with that one. That's those are really good. Um, we'll think about that a little bit more. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, uh, big into into Dune. If you haven't played Dune Imperium yet, that's a really good one. Yeah, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Obviously, you like heavier games. Um, plays pretty I well with two player as well. It's better um, with two. Um, and Santorini what you suggested earlier with uh, um, Ascension. Yeah, Ascension. If you do uh, deck builders, Ascension is really good as a. I preferred as a two player game. Yeah. So hopefully that gives you some ideas, and we'll clarify them more later. Uh, but going into my number seventy two of all time. Speaking of deck builders, speaking of Ascension. It is the sequel to Ascension, um, Shards of Infinity. Infinity. Yeah. Oh my goodness, do I still haven't played this one? I, you you will eat it up, man. It's really good. It plays with all of the enjoyment of Ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, it it basically plays like Star Realms, except it adds in another level of mastery where you level up your cards. Mm. Certain cards has this brilliant effect where it's like, okay, well, I will get two crystals, which is what the mana that you spend or the resources. But if I have level 15 or higher mastery, I'm going to get four crystals instead every time I play that card. That makes the choices so much better. And if you get to max out on your mastery, it's not last person standing wins. It's literally first one that wins or, or most points. It, it It's just so cool how it works. I really enjoy it. I, I thought it did... Everything that Star Realms did, but added on that extra level of like, okay, well, let's add like these extra cool little rules and add on this extra resource of mastery and be able to upgrade cards as you're playing and make it better. I think it's awesome. Shards of Infinity, and it plays like, it's not expensive. It plays one to four out of the box, or two to four out of the box. Um, the only thing that I, that I like less about this than I do of like Star Realms is that there's way fewer expansions and they just don't support it nearly as much. Star Realms or Ascension? Uh, either, really. Oh, okay. It's just because I think they've only released two expansions for it and that it's been out for five or six years. It's been out for quite some time. But Shards of Infinity, I think, is an absolutely phenomenal game. And it's one of the best deck builders around. That's my number 72. Yeah, I haven't played this one. It, it might uh, unseat Ascension for me, but I just really like Ascension. It will. But uh, we'll have to try it. So let's go to my number 72. And it's one of the more recent ones on my list. But again, we talk about theme. I love IPs. More One of the more recent ones that just came out this summer. And oh man, do I dig is this, this game. I think it is? Which one? Dune Imperium? Nope. No. Oh. No, I said this summer. Dune Imperium didn't come out this summer. Oh, okay. This one okay. is Prospero Hall. The oh, most re- uh, recent Funkoverse Prospero Hall release. Funkoverse? Funkoverse Prospero Hall oh, you release. Mean Funko Games. Funko Games. Yeah, well, okay. No, that's fine. 
Um, so then that's uh, Goonies, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, I dig this one. It kind of gives you the RPG feel because you have what they call the Goondock Master, and they're trying to beat you. It's another one versus all game in a sense because the Goondock Master is trying to defeat the players. Yeah. And you have different scenarios. You played over kind of a campaign basically telling the story of the movie, and it's got like the de- deleted scene. So one of the bad guys is the octopus you never see in the actual movie. Uh, and it's action selection in a sense you got so many actions that you can take in a turn and you have to be um, synergized with the other players so you got to make sure if it's a three-player game that whoever the goondock master is the two players that are playing have characters that work well with each other so if you're bad at something someone else is good at another thing and so that, that thing you're bad at it's a great game i had a great time playing it um the first game of it that i played I was, what's that guy's name? Because it's One-Eyed Willie is the pirate, but Sloth. I played a Sloth, so he's really good at fighting, but he's not good at anything else. Whereas our mutual friend played as Mikey. And so he does a little of everything, and he covers, so like I go in and beat things up, and he takes care of like all the searches and checks and stuff like that. So I was basically Mikey's bodyguard. (laughs) And it was great. I had a good time, and the first scenario plays like, the first part of the movie you kind of know where it ends up going and you open up different areas and the goondock master uh runs through it and oh my god goonies absolutely yeah it's goonie never say die it's the one right above danny's head right right up there it's a phenomenal game i really really enjoyed it i've only played it twice and it's this far on my list i want to play it more and i want to finish like the story because i've seen the movie i love the movie and i know it's playing out the movie but i just want to see how they inter- incorporate it in the board game i can't wait to try this one of these days I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the movie it's okay but i want to try the game because i know it's one of our see one see of our he doesn't stuff. have to- taste i keep i keep saying it he doesn't care much for the movie up, i didn't grow up with goonies i barely watched it maybe a year ago like for the first time so it doesn't <laughs> yeah, have that nostalgia it, it does help that my brothers are 12 and 8 years older than me so i grew yeah. up with all those classics like i was into star wars when i was like five because of my brothers that makes sense cool Alright, uh, my next one, number 71, is one that I haven't played in many, many years, but when I saw it on my list, I actually momentarily forgot that I owned it, and then I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely remember I own it now, wait a minute, how have I not played this in a really long time? And that's because this was one of the first games that really made me appreciate Kane Klenko's games, and it's a sequel as well to the Fused Bomb, or... Flatline? Flatline. Flatline is so cool. It it's it takes place thematically if you didn't defuse the bomb. You are basically and the first one's called Fuse and it's a ten minute time game where you're trying to defuse this bomb. If you don't, you play Flatline, where it's the sci fi where you're trying to treat patients and it's in quick one minute rounds, trying to roll dice as fast as you can, lock them in place, complete objectives. And you're doing a number of these one-minute rounds trying to survive, really, and treat as many patients as you can. Yeah, it's good. uh, Before it's too late. And, gosh, it's just so fun. It's absolute chaos. Um, 
I don't know if this or Fuse got on my list, but I really enjoyed both of those games. Yeah, they're so good. This definitely replaced Fuse for me, but they're so different that it's yeah. I, I'm okay owning both. I like Fuse more than Flatline. Don't get me wrong. I love Flatline. I like Fuse more just because it plays quicker. I can yeah. play it in 10 minutes as a filler and stuff like that. Yep, yep absolutely. And, yeah. uh, if you're another... playing it for more than 10 minutes, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, another good two-player game. Yeah, absolutely. So Flatline, couldn't describe, or couldn't encourage that one more i mean obviously it's in my top 71 so there you go remember my uh uh, when i said earlier that this was the start of a run yeah here's the next game uh by this single designer and i would say it's his most recent because i don't think there's another one that's out there but i've played this since it came out probably eight or nine times already and you know which one it is? Is it a deck builder? No. Oh. It's a flipping right. Oh. <laughs> that's true. And I guess technically it is the newest one, isn't it? Yeah. I was about to like call it like, haha, no, there's other games that came out more recently. I mean, maybe technically Tetris came out more recently. Technically. True, true. But no, yeah, it's a super mega lucky box. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm surprised I flew up that list, but every time it came up, I'm like, oh man, I just, I am enamored with this game. It's like bingo meets uh, uh, silver and gold meets sushi go because you want the most, uh, mm-hmm. most the moons. moons. It's phenomenal. You're basically just, you have three cards in front of you at the beginning of the game with random numbers on it uh it, it random ish there there's two sets because it's a three by three grid of numbers mm-hmm. it's always two of them are always in succession so you'll have one two three four five six and then the other three are going to be like random numbers or you can have one two three seven eight nine and the other one's going to be a random mix and you're just trying to mark them out if you complete a row you get a, a bonus if you complete a column you can get a bonus if you complete a whole card and within a certain round, you get a certain amount of points. So mm-hmm. the the earlier you complete a card, the better points you get for completing cards. Um, it's so, so good. It just clicks on so many levels that everybody I showed it to. You showed it to our game group. And then I think all three of us who didn't own it ended up buying it. Yes. I don't know if one of them has or not, but he says he's going to, because again, it's still Walker Harding. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, <laughs> and then I showed it to uh, my other game group and they really, really dug it. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. Cause uh, there's another game that's kind of like this. I mentioned it silver and gold, and I don't know if it's higher on the list or not, we'll but it plays just as well. And this could end up surpassing silver and gold. If it is higher on the list, because I just dig that game. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's super super mega lucky box. That's what it <laughs> yes. is. Yeah. And if you like the, the art design of School of Rock or whatever, whatever I think it was the... This game is bonkers. It's a <laughs> 1970s board game that has the very same. Every yeah. font is completely over the top, bold, and different in every word. Yeah, it's great. It's I, insanity. I think my the box I have it in the closet because I keep it in a card carrier. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's a good one. Um, I don't think it made my list, though. It, it's really good, though. My number 70 is a two-teamed game. Uh plays minimum four players, and it is not Codenames. A two-team games and a minimum number of... So, minimum number of four players. Yep. Is it Time's Up? No. Oh. Yeah. It, two teams facing a head-to-head, and it is a word game, technically, where you will be giving... Cl- Code words 
based on a sequence. Ah, uh, uh, Decrypto. Decrypto. Yeah, Decrypto is so good. Decrypto is so good. I can't tell you enough. Just missed out of my hundred. It, you know, and this, uh, one of the, my favorite memories of playing Decrypto was the very first time I played it. Where the guy who was demoing the games, he was doing a phenomenal job of teaching the games. And he and he did something that now I do every time I teach Decrypto to any new players. It's like, alright, so I'm going to teach you guys how to play the game. It's not going to make any sense. So just go with me. I'll walk you through a couple rounds and then it'll start to make sense afterwards. Because it doesn't make sense at first. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't. <laughs> because the idea is that you have a code and you have four words that your entire team can see. So it might be like Muppet, Hamburger, um mud i don't know something weird right yeah and and you have four words and they're numbered one two three and four so the way it works is that you get you get a code it might say two four one and so you have to give code words to your team and they have to be able to figure out that that code so in the second one uh i put hamburger so i might put cow yeah that's pretty pretty it, straightforward and you and can't then, you you gotta be not obs too obscure, but you can't be outright because right. the other team can actually guess. Yeah, the the other team is always going to hear the code words that you give them or that you give your team. Your team knows what words you're trying to, to decode, and so they have to come up with the sequence. If if they get it correct, then of course you guys or you stay alive. But then the other team gets a chance to guess what it is or what the code is. And if they get it right, then they get a point. What makes it interesting is the fact that the other team doesn't need to know what the words are to win. They need to find what is common amongst the words. So if I put, for hamburger, if I put bun, lettuce, cow, and my next one is ketchup, then they're probably going to figure it out that, that that's the second one in the sequence. Because yeah. you're going to tell them the code after each one. It's brilliant. It doesn't make any sense. I can't do a justice of explaining it. It's one of those ones that you definitely need to try. And then after the first game of trudging through it, it's fantastic from that point on. It's so I'm good. I'm sad there's only one expansion for it. It's a phenomenal yeah. game. And it deserves more support. Yeah, it, it really does. I don't know why more people aren't, aren't talking I think it's because it. it came around the same time as Codenames, and Codenames just blew up. Yeah, well, it came out like two years after Codenames. Yeah, it's so. just kind of riding that same wave, yeah. and it's in the same size box and all that stuff. So, but then there's also that learning curve, too, that yeah. makes it that some people might might look at and go, ah, oh, well, like, like, why would you make a more complicated codenames? It's a very different game, but it has such such satisfying, you know... Yeah, no, no, I don't disagree. It was actually 113 on my list. Okay. I just went and checked, because I knew it was pretty high. I just didn't know how far it missed out in the top 100. Okay. It was 113. So that that's saying something. Out of 400 games that I ranked, yeah. it scored 100. And then you and me are mostly agreeing on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so good. The Crypto, my number 70. All right, so my number 70 is another newer game on my list uh, out there, but I dig this one, and that's probably because partially the theme, but also because it makes sense the style of game it plays, mm -hmm. and I believe it's a Funko Games as well. I'll let you know. And that is Godzilla Tokyo Clash. Mm -hmm. I dig this game. It is, if you're a fan of Funkoverse or Unmatched, but you're like, I want to play Godzilla, I want to play one of the kaijus, and I want to destroy cities. This is that game for you. You're playing cards out, 
doing specific moves to other kaiju, destroying the city, trying to make points. If it gets to a certain point, that triggers the end game. So there's a little trail that has um, that's going down on the game board. Mm-hmm. And once it reaches a certain point, that's going to be the end of the game. Uh, so your point scores are basically going one way, and that thing is going the other way. Kind of like, uh, what is it, Rattle Bones? Yeah. Uh, kind of like that. There's a little something different to that's it. Cool. Um but yeah, so what you're doing, is you're, and there's only four uh, kaiju in the box. It's uh, Godzilla, uh, King Godera, Mothra, and I forget what the beetle one is. I can never remember the beetle name, and I own this game because it's my least favorite out of all the, the kaiju. Gamera was part of it. Uh, I know he wasn't in the same universe. Yeah. Gamera was always my favorite. Uh, but yeah, it's it's phenomenal. You're, and it seems like there should be an expansion for it because you see other kaiju in some of the cards that you're playing, like Jet Jaguars in there. I enjoy this game. It's fun because you there's things that you could do. You could throw one of the tanks at another kaiju. You could literally throw a kaiju at a building, or at an, if you're playing a three player game, you could throw it at another uh, kaiju. So like if I'm playing Godzilla, mm-hmm. I could take King Godira and throw him at Mothra. So I have a great time playing this one. It's it's not the most serious game, but it is just it's so fun. Yeah, cool. Good Number break. seventy, Godzilla Tokyo Clash. I, I'm looking forward to trying this one day. I still what? haven't played it yet. I don't even know where it is on my shelf. I have it up here somewhere. No, you don't. You lied. You you sold it. No. I'm sure. No. <laughs> Our friend Gamehead Geek is mad because he sold it. Is his. that over there? I made you like. Anyway, so my number... I, I, I don't know where it is either. Yeah, Maybe I don't know. It. Maybe someone stole it. I don't know. Meh, I'll um, find it. My number 69 nice. is the oldest game on this list. Um... And that's because it's 5,000 years old. Oh. <laughs> that's, it's yeah. Senate. Senate. Yeah, it's the game played by Egyptians. I know where it is. It's in my game bag. Oh, okay. That explains it. Uh, ancient Egyptian pharaohs used to play this. And so, and we know this because there's actually pictures of uh, pharaohs playing Senate on like Egyptian tomb walls. Hieroglyphs. Yeah, well, I mean, there's... It's not a hieroglyph. It's actually just a picture. I don't think it's it's, it's intended to portray anything. <laughs> but it's it's such a great game, and, it, and this is the one I was talking about. When backgammon is fun, and backgammon was based off of Senate. And that's because it was just kind of one of those roll and move games. Backgammon has the notoriety of being the first board game ever to use dice. That's where dice were invented. Whereas Senate is more than a thousand years older, and it uses sticks that you roll. And so there's a light and a dark side to the sticks. You roll the sticks, the number of light sides you roll is how many spaces you move. Unless they're all face down, then you technically roll to five. You're rolling four of them. Then you move one of either five or seven pieces, trying to get them to the end and maneuver it out. And it it goes over the story of, I think, like uh, uh, the people going into the afterlife is, I guess, the Mm -hmm. theme of it. Um, At least that's what they've speculated. And it's it's fantastic. And what makes it great is that if you combine multiple pieces together, um, they're, or they're next to each other. If your pieces, they're they're locked in. You can't move onto them. But if they're by themselves, you if you move onto my piece, it goes back to where you just moved from. So it's not a complete like like backgammon is really way too brutal. Because if you're almost at the end and I land on your space, then you get sent back to start. This just tr- swaps places with them. So it's not too bad. It's not undoable. And every time it's a nail biter. 
every time I've played it, it's always down to like one or two pieces, and it's really close, and you're mm-hmm. and you're just trudging along, and it's it doesn't make sense that it's that fun when it's a rolling move that's five thousand years old. It shouldn't be fun, but it's really fun to play. And yeah, it's not bad. I highly encourage you know if with I think they sell reproduction copies of it for yeah. like probably way too much. I think it's like fifty bucks, but it's like made out of wood and it's a nice production. Oh, that and the but the reeds and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean it. It makes sense, but most people you don't want to. But most people don't want to play. Like or spend oh. that much money for a game that like is technically five thousand years old. You're, yeah. you're buying it as in like an heirloom or whatever. Yeah. Like buy it in like a museum gift shop. This, this is one. If you, I've made my own copy, you know, and and I think it's a phenomenal game. I highly encourage people try it. It's Senate. Yeah. No, I I don't disagree, and it's weird that it's at sixty nine. Yeah, and you do get screwed back in. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a fan of backgammon. I I've played it once growing up, and I just, it's okay. It's fine. You know, it, it's it's. I appreciate what it does, but I think Senate just beats it in every factor. Chess it, beats it in every factor. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> it's a different level of of chess. As far as every roll and move game, it's one of the best. With Merlin set aside, because no, no, I'm just thinking like other roll and moves. Well, I mean that's not saying much when you got yeah. like. I actually prefer Parcheesi or... Sure. Yeah. I, I really enjoy Parcheesi. I'm that's, I'm but, one of the few people that probably well, like Parcheesi. No, I like Parcheesi, but the reason I like Senate more... And this well, is I'm not talking about Senate. I'm talking about Backgammon. Yeah. No, uh, but the reason I like I like Senate more than Parcheesi, though, is because Parcheesi does the same thing that you're all going in the same direction, mm-hmm. but the fact that you're starting on different parts of the board, meaning that there's far less interaction... Whereas Senate, you're you're starting at the same spot and you're going all in the same direction. So where backgammon, like once every piece has crossed each other, then the game's done. There's no more player interaction. This, it, you're always doing it. So would you say Senate's a two-player game? It's only a two-player game, yes. Here's an only two-player game for my, <laughs> my number 69. And that is Seven Wonders Duel. I truly enjoy this game. I don't play it as often as I want because for a two-player game, it's a lot heavier than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't play as quickly as more other two-player games do. Like Senate doesn't play or yeah. plays shorter than Seven Wonders this Duels. This was my two twenty-eight. <laughs> so I really dig this game. I like the fact that you're drafting cards and you're just trying to decide: Am I going to take that card and put it out in front of me, or am I taking that away from you mm-hmm. to sell it and? Sometimes it's good for me to do that. Sometimes it isn't. You don't know what's going to end up flipping if it's a card that's upside down. Uh, so you got to be careful about that kind of thing. So if it's like I take a military card because I notice you're going military and then yep. another military card flips up. You, you didn't play very well. but uh, And then there's three ways to win. That's what I like about it. It's either most points at the end of the game or you get a military victory or a science victory. Everything's kind of out there, other than the cards that are flipped out, but it's common knowledge for everybody. There's equal amounts of information. You know what wonders I'm trying to build. I know what wonders you're trying to build. It's a great game. In fact, I will play this over the original Seven Wonders any day of the week. I do not want to touch Seven Wonders. Yeah. And I will give credit to, I think Repost makes this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great component quality, and I know that because the very first time I played it, 
the player who I played it with, I forget who it was, accidentally dropped one of the tokens into a cup of water. And one of the science tokens. And we pulled it out, dried it off, and I, I no don't weapon. know which one it is. <laughs> I don't know which one fell in the water. It, you, there's no noticeable... Uh, problems with it yeah so, seven wonders tool it's 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 a great game i enjoy it don't try that with your copy i don't know if it, that's that i don't recommend it yeah may not be possible for all of them speaking of two-player games this technically can play more but really it's intended as a two-player game that is dice throne yeah no i i agree it only played at two yep Much maybe it, maybe the uh the co-op part of it could probably play better with more sure. yeah and i think that's what it is intended to do but yeah, it's um, it's Magic the Gathering meets Yahtzee. It really That's, is. But each of your characters plays very differently, which is what's makes in it thematically so and thematically too. Like the the uh, the fire mage, whatever the character is, I don't remember the names of a lot of them. But the fire mage, I know they get fire tokens, which ramp up their attacks and they get stronger and stronger. The gunslinger They're, you're shooting. Yeah, the gunslinger you're you're shooting. Um, then you have like the monk. Who has like meditation tokens and can divert a lot of attacks and and do really great things, but basically what what it boils down to is you're playing uh, rolling dice, trying to get Yahtzee combinations. You have a certain number of re rolls, and then uh, using those to attack your opponents and punch them in the face. Last person standing wins. Awesome game, and uh, the the company that makes it same company that makes um, uh, Santorini, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Roxley. Roxley, yeah. Oh my goodness, one of the best productions, especially even the normal production of it, the the two-player boxes or like the six-player box, it's a really good production, but then their remake, the re-rolled version, oh man, that's one of those ones I spent a pretty penny on and it deserved to be that because that production is phenomenal. So much to the point where I sold my, my season one a year before I got my season one remake, knowing how much, knowing that I had to back in, I had to get a copy of it. So I ended up just selling it. I was like, I'm not even gonna deal with it later. Like I'm, I'm gonna wait, build up my hype, and I enjoyed every minute of it. It's so good. Dice Throne, season one or season two. It was my 220th. <laughs> I'm surprised it was that low. I really enjoyed this game. Yeah. But I mean, when you go through that many games, it's it's something's gonna slip. So we are doing our number 68 and another two-player game on my list here. This is probably one of my favorite trick-taking games. And it's also a really good trick-taking game um, at two players because it only plays two players. Which is weird when you think about it. Mm -hmm. A two-player trick-taking game. Yep. How many of those can you name off the top Uh, of your head? That's the one. No, there's more than that, but not. (laughs) Yeah. And this one does it really well, and that's Fox in the Forest. This is not Duet. This is Fox in the Forest. I don't think Duet made the list. Um, Duet's nice for a co-op one, but the tug-of-war, trying to keep the fox, it's fine. But I like uh, another game for the co-op version of trick-taking better. But Fox in the Forest itself is a great game that plays quickly, that I can play um, with my wife, and she enjoys it. She... Beat me the first time she ever played it when she realized that she can keep feeding me tricks and make me take all the tricks, yep. which I end up losing the game automatically for being too greedy. Yep. Or if you don't play well enough, if you don't take any tricks or less than three, you lose the game automatically. So you got to find that balance to make sure you 
don't take all the tricks or too little tricks or you lose automatically. And if somehow you're able to meet it in the middle, whoever has the most tricks at the end of the game without being too greedy about it wins. And this plays so well. And it's like uh, three suits of one through nine and the odd numbers mm-hmm. have special abilities yeah. that are fairly simple. It's it's a really quick game. I enjoy this. Um, I have a great time playing it. And I highly recommend it to anybody who wants to play two-player games that play quickly. Fox in the Forest. Cool. Good stuff. Uh, my number 67 is the game you probably initially thought of when I was talking about Decrypto. And the, there's no denying it. I'm just going to jump right into it. It's Codenames. Just barely irked it out. You don't like Codenames? I'm right. okay with it. You're okay with it. I don't, like, I don't like the original Codenames. Yeah. I like like the Disney or the Marvel or the themed ones. Sure. Because yeah. there's pictures rather than letters. Codenames Duet was... Uh, that. I put them all together, but Codenames Duet is my favorite of all of those. Codenames and, Duet is pretty good. Yeah, I, I love the two-player nature of it. I love the cooperative. Like, I'm feeding you clues and how some of the cards work for you and me, and then, like, how we're working together to actually, like, really yeah, play yeah, it yeah. out well. Because you might have a combination that works really well for you and it's terrible for me. I, I think it's a brilliant game. There's a reason it won the Spiel de Jar. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's it. fine. I like Duet better than regular code names. I like the themes better than regular code names. Mm-hmm. For me, code names is just bland because it's, it's just letters. Yep. yep. And I There's get no it because you're basically, you can give what? One word and one number? One one word and then the number of how many cards, cards you have yeah. to. Yeah. And that's it. That's that. And you hope you don't pick the assassin. Or, yeah, I or, love the assassin mechanism in it. Too, no, I, I enjoy that. I'm just saying you just hope it. don't pick it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that part is that, that being a clue giver makes that so intriguing because if you have an assassin card that, that relates to so many other cards, it is such a mind melt of trying to figure out what clue can I give that would make you pick all of these others that are similar, but definitely not that one that <laughs> happens to be the assassin? Oh, it's so good. It's because a... the way the assassin works is that if either team guessing uh, automatically guesses lose. the assassin, they automatically lose. Yeah, so if you over. if you pick the assassin, your team is eliminated. Yep. And what I like about this is that there's a flavor for anybody. That's the one thing I can say about Codenames is that they re- made it with, I don't know how many themes. There's a Simpsons one. Yep, Disney, Marvel, Marvel, Disney, and if you like Codenames Duet in the co-op version, Harry basically it, Harry Potter comes with the duet rules as well. So yeah. if you're a Harry Potter fan and mm-hmm. you want the co-op plus the regular Codenames, uh, Harry Potter uh, Codenames Simpsons. is Simpsons, but Simpsons doesn't come with the duet rules. No, but it does come with both pictures and words, Yeah, which I think all of the themed ones do. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm actually brilliant. have two versions of themed ones: uh, Marvel and Disney, mm-hmm. and I have Codenames Duet. <laughs> so it, yeah. I don't hate the game. I have no. three different copies. Yeah, yeah you, I mean they're right there. <laughs> I saw that. In yeah. fact, uh, Disney and I think uh, Marvel are together. Yeah, that I makes just sense. bag them and bring them out. Whoever wants to play, I just have it in one box because I like consolidating on my. I'm pretty sure I bought you the copy of Duet. Yeah, and I said, trust me. Like I know. No, okay I, I with, think I, with... I like Duet, and you can play this campaign too. Yes, yeah, and it's had like slight little rules. If you played like the the app for Jaipur, it does some slight changes to the rules. Yeah, super fun. But yeah, that's why it's my sixty-seven code names. Duet mainly, but yeah, any of them work. Yeah, uh, so it's a good pick. Again, it didn't make my top one hundred. I don't even think it made my two hundred, but I do enjoy it. 
I, I just think there's better party games yeah. for me personally. That's fair. Uh, my number 67, I don't know if you like it. I think you're okay with it at most. It's a Bruno Cathala game about undersea politics. <laughs> Abyss. Oh, Abyss. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I just recently played this again um, uh, the other day because our, our friend Gamehead Geek, he, he wanted to make a video on TikTok about it, but he hadn't played it in a while. So I'm like, all right, let's bust it out. I enjoy it. It plays quickly once you know what you're doing. You have three actions that you get to play or you take a uh, choose which action you're going to do. You're either going to push your luck and that becomes a little auction game as well. So you're going to flip a card and it's basically just PowerPoints, the cards that help you later on. And so what you're going to do is you're going to pick a card or flip a card and then everybody at the table gets the bid at it. So if you're playing a four player game before you get a chance to take that card, there's three other people at the table bidding. And so the first one goes for like a coin. And so if Danny over here wants to take it for a pearl, he gets it because he had the first choice and he bid and gave me the money. But the next card that flips up, it's now worth two pearls and pearls is your money in the game. And so if uh, Danny wants it, he has to pay two pearls. But uh, say he passes and uh, Bryce wants it. So he has to pay the two pearls now. And so it keeps going until either nobody takes it and you take the card or you can push your luck as you're going until you reach the end. If you reach the end, you have to take the last card that came up. or And you get a pearl for it for taking that very last card. But the, some of, I think it's like one through five. And there's very minimal fives for each of the factions, which I think there's six factions in the game. And that's important for some of the other actions that you're going to do. But you also, monsters can come up, and depending on where they are on the track, you can get better rewards if you keep just passing up the monsters. And some of the expansions make monster hunting a lot better. Uh, but if you choose not to push your luck, you can take somebody from the council. So any card that doesn't get bought or taken in the row... They get put with their specific faction face down on the board. And you can, when you choose that action, you take as many of those cards of that one faction up. So if there's five in one and three in the other, but you don't really want the fives because you kind of know they're like ones and twos. But you know there's a high card in that three pack. So mm -hmm. you're going to take that, that one probably. And those are important because when your third action that you can possibly take is getting one of the lords of the faction stuff like that and they have requirements of spending so you got to meet a certain number of points so say one of the lords costs six points you have to have at least six points but they also need specific factions so if one of them needs a crab faction one of your cards has to be a crab and then there's a little usually a little bubble above it or two bubbles that means you have to play at minimum if it's three you have to play at least a crab faction in two other factions, if there's three bubbles in total, one of them has a crab token in it, and the other two are just blank. They just have to be of two other factions to equal six points. And after that's all said and done, you keep one of them, the lowest card that you spend because it's affiliated and it becomes your points. With that being said, once you get these lords, they have special abilities. They can help you make things cost less or make it cost more for your opponents. And once you get three keys, some of the lords carry keys, you get a location. The first person who gets, I think it's seven lords, ends the game. Or if you run out of lords to put out on the field. Very quick, we played this in like 20-30 minutes. It's a really good game. I really enjoy it. The art is phenomenal on this game. Uh, the cover is very striking. It doesn't tell you anything about the no. game. but uh, And there's five different covers of this game. Yeah. 
which doesn't change the gameplay itself. It's just five different covers. Right, which is questionable. <laughs> but it's, it's a great game. I enjoy it. Um, that's number 67, Abyss. So it's kind of like, it's kind of, in a way, an auction game, really. I mean, it's... Partially. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's one of, press your one luck of, or... Press your luck or, or auction, auction in one uh, action. And yeah. that, that's another way for, like, if you get pearls... Because you can use those pearls on someone if someone presses right. their luck. Because, like I said, there's six factions, and I think there's like adding more or auctioning, right? Yeah. So how do you not like raw? Because that's exactly the same thing. Because it's boring and unthematic. And this is thematic. Ish. Yeah, it's politics. You're you're count, getting counsel the favor. Yeah, I I just the reason why I don't like raw, it's ugly as sin. Okay, and, and <laughs> Abyss definitely beats it as far as art goes. I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> my number my number sixty six is um is a game. I believe it's Bruno Catala as well. I might be wrong on that, but it's his Days of Wonder game. Yeah, he's got quite a few of those. He's got quite a few of those, but this is the one that uses a Moncala mechanism. Are you kidding me? This is your number sixty six. Yeah. Five tribes. This is my number sixty-six. Up high, yeah. All right, crossover. Hey, sorry for the the headphones. Yeah, we apologize. I'm sorry, but yeah, no, number sixty-six. Okay, let's talk about it. Five tribes. I mean, it, it's the the mechanism is really neat. Yeah. The only, I only have one problem with that mechanism, and that's just a mathematical thing. Uh, odd numbers can only like if if you think of it. Thankfully, it wasn't that loud. Maybe for directional microphones. Yeah. Um, if you think of it and like we a checkerboard, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you if you think of it like a checkerboard um, or a chessboard, and you start on a black space, only odds can go to white spaces, odd numbers, and so you can you can kind of if you know that going into it, I, if that's something that I, I'm playing with somebody who's experienced and stuff, I will easily point that out if they didn't already know that yeah because it's it's something you have to keep in mind and that not realizing that can be a huge disadvantage and that saying it's like all right well <laughs> like i only have odd numbers so it's only gonna go in there so uh i mean it's it, it's it's really great honestly because i i think it's such a fun game i like how each of the spaces has their own abilities i like how each of the meeples has their own abilities and I like how you can upgrade yourself with gins and then just, you know, combo from there. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it has every bit of an abstract game like Mancala, but every bit of a Euro game and how you score points and how you interact with and it. And another thing, fun. what I really, really like about this game, and I can't say any more than what you uh, <laughs> what you said on it, yeah. is that the, the pieces that you move on the Moncala mechanism yeah. play differently. So if you play the Reds, they're Assassins. If you play mm-hmm. the Blues, I think they're the Merchants. Yep. So you're taking different actions depending on what your last one is, uh, a grouping. So if you play and there's like three Assassins on the very last one you play, you get to take yeah. uh, like a three uh, Assassination three places away or something yeah, like that. exactly. It's, it's phenomenal. I like how again the different colors do different things because so you don't want if you don't want to play mean you don't have to mm-hmm. i also love the bidding for uh player uh, yeah turn order turn order yeah so that that's huge because yeah every round you might see a really optimal play, play. and so and you, you gotta outbid for it but then since it's a blind bid anyway yeah yeah 
And the thing is, that's, your that's coins are your points. So you're basically yeah. bidding victory points to take an optimal play. Is it going to net you more victory points than what you're spending? Yeah. I really, really dig this game. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that not only did we cross over with a game, and I know there's going to be a few crossovers. This is one of our first crossovers, yeah, really. But at the same number. At the same number, yeah. So that was your number 66, good pick. Uh, <laughs> and that was your one. number 66, great pick. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I see we're in agreement. And this one, I so keeping the theme of your own, my number 65, we'll just go straight into it. Unless, did you have anything else to add for... No, no, yeah, you said everything perfectly about... Cool, thank you. Uh, my number 65, it, I think you're going to be surprised that it's also this low. But there are 64 other games that I, that I prefer better than this. Agricola. No, no, I, I, I don't even know if Agricola made my list. I, I, I figured it didn't make yours, because I get your, your... I enjoy the game. Yeah, we, we both really, really like it. Yeah. But, yeah, I get your, your quarrels with it, and, and they're very... It, it makes perfect sense. But um, I think this is one of the coolest things, and one of my favorite things, and why it took so long for me to get it to the table and actually commit to buying it, is how everything grows... Every single turn, every round, you have another worker placement spot. You have spaces that are getting more and more valuable as more resources get added to it. You're you're building your your farm in a new way, and they're harvesting in new ways, and it's growing crops in really fantastic ways. It, there's a lot of learning curve to it that does a lot of things that most worker placements don't. But that's one of the things that Uwe Rosenberg does really well. He does things that are very different than most people, in my opinion. Yeah. Even, like, his newest designs, like Nova Luna, it's not on my list. But that's an incredibly, incredibly different game than anybody else is designing right now. And he's always done that. Like, I, I like, even if he takes something that's a common idea, like Tetromino pieces, he turns it on his head, you know? He, he makes everything. Sure, he'll make, like, something like... Uh, you know, second chance, which is just, you know, filling in Tetromino yeah. pieces. But then he also makes stuff like patchwork. You know, Uve does some great things. And so I had to include it. Agricola is awesome. It's my number 65. So what's funny about this is uh, Caverna, mm -hmm. which is what I thought what I would like more than Agricola, yeah. is ranked 172 on my list. Yeah. Agricola is ranked 153 on my list. Caverna, I think... I don't remember if I included it both, but it's definitely a lot lower. Uh, so, moving on to my 65, this is probably one of the two Century games on my list. I know the other one's higher. Okay. And this is Century Golem Edition and Endless World, which is... Uh, you can also count this as Century Brave New World. Yeah, it's uh, the third one. The third the one of the series. And the reason why it's this high on my list is it's worker placement. In fact, I haven't even played my copy. It's still on shrink on the shelf over there. I've played a mutual friend of ours copy, and I dig this game. It's it's a great game. I, I like the fact that you still have some of the your card play of mm -hmm. um, the original Century, but with the worker placement. I enjoy the worker placement. Um, probably one of the few that actually really enjoy this over the second one, I guess I could say. Maybe not so much over the first one. I don't know which one's higher on the list, but I really like this. Again, worker placement's my jam. And so when you add a very simple game as Century with worker placement, and it's pretty simple because it's basically on the worker placement aspect of it, 
is you have to pay a minimum based on the area that's at. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two. But if somebody else is in that spot, you have to pay more than them to take the action of that spot. So if you're on one of the locations that only require one worker, and I want to go to that same location to get the resource that's there, I have to spend two of my workers to go there. And if someone else wants to go there, they would end up having to spend three of their workers. And you don't have that many workers, especially in the beginning of the game. I dig it. It's really fun. I love the Century uh, Golem editions over the original Century. I just think they're more colorful and prettier. Yeah. I get why others like the other one because they tend to feel more realistic. But yeah, no, Century Golem edition, an endless world, or Century uh, Brave New World. Cool. Good pick. My number 64 is the second Feld on my lists. I'm surprised I haven't another Feld yet. Would you like to take a guess at it? Your second Feld on your list, uh, it's not the two player one. No, no, this is a multiplayer. It's pretty light, too. A light Feld game on your list? I mean, light for Feld, yes. Well, it's not Form Trajanum. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Trajan. Nope, nope, those are not light. Uh, I agree with you there. Form Trajanum I don't think made my list. God, I, I'm trying to think of a light Feld game. Give you a hint, they've remade it. Not in a different theme. Wait, not in a different theme? Nope, they had to remake it. It's on its third or fourth edition. Oh, Carpe Diem. Carpe okay. Diem, yes. I, I love the game. I don't know if it's I, really that light, but sure. I mean, it's you just move a piece, take a tile, add it to your board. It's not that hard. I mean, sure, there's like some there's some stuff that... that it's Feldian, so there's ways to complete objectives and score victory points. I yeah, love that yeah. part of it. Like, when you're actually completing the objectives and, and how you're putting your token between multiple cards. I think that's brilliant. You can trade them in for the points. I'm glad they went to a third edition because you couldn't see anything with the other two. (laughs) That's one of the biggest struggles. I have to play it in really bright light and I have to really focus. Yeah. But, God, it's so good. It's good. It's good. It's one of the... I don't want to get rid of my first edition. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you played any of the edition, but you know the differences in the rules, in a sense, for sure. the moving. Because I think it's the the first edition is the cross lines. Yes. We have to follow yeah. the line pattern. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the second and third edition, it's just the one adjacent or adjacencies. Yes. So which do you prefer? Have you played? They are mathematically the exact same. Yeah, so it's no so it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care either way. Um, but I... <laughs> I do get a kick out of it. So, like, the way it works is there's seven spots that you can take tiles from every round. And if, let's say you're on the very top of it, uh, the first edition had lines connecting to the other two that are on the opposite side of the board, not the other two adjacent to it. And so everything does that. So it has, like, this almost star pattern on it. Well, if you were to fold that open of which ones are connected to which, mathematically it is the exact same as if moving left or right. That's that's really it. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, I don't care either way. It, I've only ever played it with a star, and I get that it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. It might the seem reason more why boring going left and right. But... I didn't like the star is because it's on a dark board and they're black lines. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. The art art aside, that functionally it's the exact same game, and it doesn't hurt my brain. Um, there was a game I designed a number of years ago, and there's a reason I bring this up, and it used this this big plexiglass grid thing. You, you designed you a game that yeah. you bring up in our podcast. Hmm. Who, who knew? But do you remember that one where mm-hmm. I had like, the plexiglass mm-hmm. pieces? 
I remember, and this was a similar thing, is you would have it upright, and people would just be moving up, down, left, or right around these planes. And I remember there was one time, I was like, all right, you play it the exact same way, and I just tilted it onto its corner. And and people would just stare at it, and their brains would just break all of a sudden. And I yeah. feel like that's the same thing with this. Like, like yes, uh, technically you can only move to the ones on the opposite side of the board and bounce around. But it's no more different than moving left or right mathematically. But I can understand that that hurts people's brains. Or yeah, because it's, 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 it doesn't bring a pattern for yeah, people. Left exactly. and right is pattern. Yeah. Exactly. So, but no, I think this game is awesome. I love how you're trying to put certain buildings on on your spaces to unlock different things, get bonuses. But then you're also trying to match them with your borders as well. Yeah, and I think that part's awesome as well. I, uh, but yeah, it, it's a great game. I and do I'm need to pick this up. It. I, I want to get the third edition because it's the one that I can mm-hmm. see the best. The the pictures of the the buildings. That was my biggest gripe of the original one because sure. you couldn't really see the buildings as well. Like I didn't know if this was a red they were building the same or texture. yeah, yeah. They're, the, they're brighter shape. and better in the third edition. Yeah, which also makes me sad because it's a nice box, but it's just pure white, so it just kind of looks like a prototype box. Really, I know why they it did like it because it, yeah, yeah, they try to make it look like marble. But if you see it from a distance, it looks like a prototype box. Yeah. But oh, man, I have so many games that I'm pretty sure are all white boxes. It says Paper Tales, you know. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. And you could uh, see Tsukiyumi Full Moon Down, but yep. it has that big red circle in the middle, so it's just not stark. All Carpe Diem is is really a white box with some marbling, and yeah. then right and in the middle, logo. it's like a black and white photo, and it says Carpe Diem. Yeah. It's, it's really all it is, so... But it, it's a good game. I have a great time playing it. So yeah. moving on to My 64 is a game that really isn't a game per se, but I have so much fun playing it. It's you're chucking dice into a bowl and you're trying not to make pairs. Or you're trying to make pairs to drag those out and last person with dice wins. It, it is a game. <laughs> it absolutely is a game. It's a dexterity game. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's phenomenal, though. Whatever it is, in that strike, I dig this game. And then there's a couple, um, uh, what is it, rescanning of them? Uh, yeah. Rescanning of them. You have Impact. one that you call Impact, which is the elements where you have special abilities. Mm-hmm. There's a Harry Potter version of it where you're doing spells instead of dice faces. My 261, believe it or not. <laughs> I, I really dig this game. I enjoy it a lot. You're you're chucking dice and you're hoping you don't roll an X in there because all the X's go out of the game. Mm-hmm. And if you can roll matching numbers, you're still in the game because you got to take all your grouping of dice and throw them in there and take all the matchings out. Or yeah, yeah. If, 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 if you yeah, deplete emptied. the bowl yeah. entirely, then the next, the next person has to throw all their dice in there. And I've seen it where someone had like six or seven dice. And they threw it in the bowl, and none of them matched, or they were X's. Yep. <laughs> and so they they were out of the game. It's pl- there is player elimination in it, but it's it's, it's a fairly so quick game. Yeah. So I enjoy playing this game. Uh, it's it's very fun. Uh, you can pick it up at Target nowadays. Mm-hmm. Again, you got a Harry Potter version that's found at like Barnes and Noble. Yep. So uh, like special abilities based on what you roll. Yeah. yeah. It's super cool. All right. Uh, my next one is speaking of rolling dice, except this has a catch to it. Your dice change throughout the game. That's not saying much. Oh, oh, oh. you no, actually your dice you, you manipulate change. Dice Forge. Dice Forge, yes. 
Dice Forge is so good. Um, you know, I'm always in a in a heat between this and Rattlebones because I do really, really like Rattlebones. Um, this game replaced Rattlebones for me. Yeah, I and I get why. It totally makes sense. I think it's higher ranked on mine. I don't think I have Rattlebones higher. I might be wrong with that, but either one. All of them are so good. And honestly, Dice Realms, the new one that's coming out from Rio Grande Games. Oh, it looks really good. It looks fantastic. So expensive, though. There are more than 668 dice base pieces. But you're you're asking a lot for people, a $100 game. I mean, that's saying something people. uh, What was it? Someone who likes Gloomhaven, right? Well, I I only paid 100 for Gloomhaven. Yeah. Well, this is 120. Yeah, it's not too much more. But here's the thing: also, people paid for the new descent, which was basically just 3D yeah. printed pieces for yeah, the game. Exactly. It was a uh, what 170. Yeah. This, I mean, you you have to know going into it that yeah, it's 120 dollars retail, but I think is what it's going to come out to be. But you have modular dice that you're changing the faces of the dice. There's and there's like 600 of them, of them, right? And there's more than 660 dice faces that yeah. are custom made. On inserts that specifically are divided to have each of those and to mark how many spaces there are. There's cards, there's tiles, there's crazy amounts of components. And it's for everybody at home that lost track, yeah, he's not talking about the game he actually picked. He's yeah. talking about a game that hasn't yeah. even come out yet. But the game I picked... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, I, I did go on a tangent there, you're right. Um, <laughs> the game I picked was Dice Forge. And that's it's a similar idea. It's like you're trying to get the most points. And this has an amazing production oh, value. It's, it's production. only $40 retail. And it comes with a custom tray, custom faces, not nearly 600 something. I think it's like maybe yeah, it's about 50 or so d- dice faces. Yeah. But it's a great component. Yeah. Um, I like the board. I like the, the way everything looks. The, the game is really awesome. And what makes it cool is that you roll your dice, everybody rolls their dice at the same time, and you get your resources, and then you that play it out. It's not it's not super slow, you know? Like, it's a really, no, really yeah, fast it's fast. Game. Uh, I like it it's, a, it's a bit of a nice chore course. to learn. I, I Sure, it, yeah. I remember we were at a con, and there was a group at the table that were trying to learn this game out of the rule book. Yeah. And you turned to me, and we were demoing your stuff. It's not a big rule book. It's like yeah, two it's two pages, but it, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. And there was people trying to learn it, and you turned to me, and we were trying to demo yeah, his game. <laughs> and you go, hey, go teach them how oh. to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> and once I taught them, they were going, yeah. and they were done in 30 minutes, if that. Yeah. It's a phenomenal game. I think they I came w- up and like, thanked you. For yeah. It's like, yeah, it's you're right here to teach my games, but like, it's like, no, that, that that's a hard curve, but as soon as you get it, it's really Yeah, fantastic. it's real simple. It's just, it takes a lot to learn it. Yeah. But yeah, my, you know what my one gripe is of Dice Forge? Huh. And you can see it right over my shoulder here, mm-hmm. is you can't keep the expansion in the same box. Yeah, <laughs> it's so dumb. Because the expansion adds more dice face for, and you have two, um, yep. I think it's very, not variants, uh, modules. So you pay. I I, I don't think you could play with both. You play with one or the other, mm-hmm. and this one uh, you just can't keep it because it's dice faces. And so it's like it's yeah. the only expansion I have on my shelf that isn't in the main box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't blame me on that one. All right, that's my number uh, sixty-three. All right, moving on to my number sixty-three. It's not a dice game. In fact, it's a card game, and it's a spelling game. And I'm surprised this was higher than one of my favorite spelling games. 
This is a CGE spelling game. Letter jam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought hardback was going to be higher. Hardback didn't even break my top 100. Well, this is a better game. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. Yeah. yeah. As I'm playing it, and uh, I just recently bought myself a copy of it, it's good because it does something you've never seen before. It's a co-op spelling game. Mm-hmm. And the big uh, key to this one is you don't personally know what your letter is. So yeah. everybody's trying to clue you into your letter by spelling a word with everything that's out there. And so you're saying, hey, I could spell with six letters. Or someone else is going to say, I could spell with five letters, but everybody's going to cue in on what their letter is if they don't already and no, and a case in point, um, a mutual friend of ours, when we played it, he's like, I got a word that I could spell and everybody would know what their letter is, and I can't say it out loud here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it may or may not have been an offensive word. Yeah. <laughs> Technically a conjunction. But, <laughs> you know, but we're nitpicking. Yeah, but it's a phenomenal <laughs> game. It's a great game. I... Never thought I would see a spelling game co-op, and it does. Yeah. It's probably my favorite spelling game, and, and proof here, I don't think there's one higher than it, because I said the other one that I wanted, uh, or that I thought was going to make this list, and I really enjoy it. I know you don't like it as much, but Hardback I thought would be in my top 100. I think it barely cracked my top 150. No. No, Letter Jam, it, you know, but there is one problem with Letter Jam. I don't know if I have it on my list. Let me double check real quick. I don't believe so. But there was one problem about it. Yeah, I, I don't think it made my list. Um, is that I actually had to defuse an argument with this. Because I had two friends that both was like, all right, I can make a word with six letters. And we're playing like five players. And then we'll, the other person's like, I can also make a word with six letters. And they just couldn't decide. Like, they were both just, like, standing for him. It's like, no, I should be the one to spell it because everyone will figure it out. It's like, same with mine. I can figure it out, too. And I ended up having to defuse it. It's like, all right, so, like, I, I knew what letter I had. But I was like, I have no idea what letter I have. Which one uses mine more efficiently? Is yours at the beginning of mine? You're like, And then so I basically had to pick and moderate it because it was like a five-minute argument over it. It was really Yeah, dumb. That, that's a big issue. If and there's you no want... rules about that. that yeah, if you of. have, like, tabletop... Uh... Uh, tabletop quarterbacks yeah alpha yeah. players it's going to be a problem and that's with most co-ops too sure and so the thing is uh what i always say is put it up to the group yeah. let them decide uh if if it doesn't have in the role then say okay who can do it more efficiently and then let the group decide so if it's a five player game right. majority rules use that other person's letter yep. i mean i don't you don't know what's going to be but if you think it, as you're playing the game you know who clues in better yeah. then maybe you're going to pick the yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Cool. Uh, good pick. My number 62 is one of the most technologically based games I have on here. It does require an app. And not only that, you are um, you scan QR codes throughout it, and there is even a virtual reality component of it. This is Chronicles of Crime. Oh, yes. This is a super cool game. I One of these days, I'm so close to convincing my wife to play it with me. I think she would dig the mess out of it. I love the idea of, you know, putting on like the Google Glass or Google Cardboard and looking around the room. Um, some people share their screen onto a TV and that's fine as well. Yeah, um, you know what's funny about it? 
the the Lucky Duck games are told us to do that. It's like that's how we play with our family. They're the people who print the game. Do they? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. I mean, I I didn't know that they actually told you that. But that's that's funny. Yeah. And I mean, if you're playing with a family, that just makes sense because you're all just actively looking for yeah. clues. And it, but it's just so neat how it works, and I love how it like once you get a new item, and you go to a character you've already spoken to. Once you have new information, they are going to act differently. Yeah, those scenarios are so neat. How that changes throughout the the course and of what we you don't want to give and how you could do it. Too yeah. much detail about it. There's a bit of a, a spoiler. Oh, with it. Yeah, but every single part of that game, the original base game, go to an overarching story. And yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I haven't played mm-hmm. the the base game all the way through. I think There's I played up to the third uh, scenario, yeah. but it's good. It's really good. Yeah. So if you like any kind of like murder mystery type games, Chronicles of Crime. Couldn't suggest some more. My number sixty-two. So my number sixty-two is a dexterity game. It it's okay. an adult version of another game that I play. Not adult like in a theme, but you don't want to play this one with kids. And that is, um, can you guess which one it is? You're I'm a you're fr- <laughs> you're uh, flinging things. You're flinging things. I mean, the the first thing I can think of is coconuts, but... The adult version of coconuts. Because it's flying wood. Flying goblins? Yes. Oh, this is totally kid appropriate. I thought you were talking about <laughs> no, like, some <laughs> X-rated version no, of Jenga I'm just that saying, I don't want to be part of. <laughs> I'm just saying that it... it <laughs> whereas it's safer to play coconuts because they're rubber uh, coconuts. Sure, yeah. This wooded is fly wooded meeples across near your eyes. You have to wear safety goggles with this game. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> it is phenomenal. It's true. Flying wood. <laughs> flying That's why wood. it's adult. Uh, <laughs> flying Goblins is probably one of the most fun dexterity games I've ever played in recent history. I love coconuts. And I, I it may be higher on this list. It may not. But this one deserves its spot on the list. I've had a phenomenal time playing it. Every which way... Um, I we've played it, uh, and the thing is, you have to watch out when they're and it's it's uh not it's dexterity, but it's also real time. So when everybody everybody's shooting at the same time, and you're shooting, I think it's what three or four goblins, unless you get more, yep. and you're trying to get points or gems or other stuff. It's a phenomenal game. I have a great time with it. Um, I recommend it to people out there. Just again, be careful if you're playing with younger kids because it's yep. flying wood. <laughs> No, I say just full force. Just <laughs> you yeah, don't want to explain in the ER visit why there's a flying goblin meeple in your kid's eye. You <laughs> okay. uh, he poked in his eye. You know, it happens. Don't worry about the game. Uh, why is it goblin shaped? The tears are pointing. My number 61 and the last one for this list is um, yet another Stefan Felt game. And this is definitely one of his more heavy ones. Trajan. No. Foreign Trajanum? No. Castles of Tuscany? No. Oh, God. He's got a lot of heavy ones. Uh, Notre Dame? It's much later. Much newer. Much newer of a game. And it's pretty. Marigo. No. And it's pretty. It's gorgeous looking. I like the way it looks a lot. Especially the cover. Come on. You'll get well, it. There, Pegasus there's... Spiel makes it. Oh, Bonfire. Bonfire. Yes. It's so gorgeous. I love that. Because the whole point of it is you're getting like these objectives, and you can only get objectives by getting game. the actions, and you can only get the actions by laying your tiles, which is all its own mechanism. You know what Everything I have to say? Works really well. I understand why Feld worked with Leia a lot, 
but I like Feld games away from Alea because they're fucking pretty. <laughs> Merlin's gorgeous. Uh, Bonfire is gorgeous. The the city the, collection is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. No, it, but hey, but not every queen game is really all that pretty looking. I mean, Arena wasn't great either, but that's, that's it's better than Alea. Uh, yeah, kind of. Alea's getting better though. Um, like the new Llama Land game from Phil Walker Harding. <laughs> I don't know if I like that art or not. Anyway, tangent. No, Bonfire is super cool. All you do is you lay down a triomino, which is basically like a domino, but it has three pieces. You're matching up icons on it, and you you get an action tile for each icon that you match, plus everything on the tile that you put. And so if you have groupings of like the same action, you get multiple of that action, and you can spend as many of those actions as you want to try and solve or do different things. And each action works in a different way depending on how more you spend. You can get other... Um, dwarves, I think they're dwarves, right? Or they're, they're kind of like... Gnomes. Gnomes, they're gnomes, yes. They're, you can get gnomes for that. Uh, you can get all these uh, that give you special abilities or endgame scoring. You can get other action tiles. You can move the bonfire token, which gives you like so many options. You get all these other really neat choices in the game. But ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to fulfill these objectives... Um, that can only be done by getting all these different actions and getting different combinations of those. There, I think you play with, um, I think you play with like nearly 30 of the action tiles and there's like 70 to 80, uh, objective tiles in the game. Like I remember we don't, we didn't even put out half of them and we put out a lot. Yeah. I I enjoy this game. There, there's a lot of moving parts for this yes. one that just for you to it's trigger your actions heavy. yeah this is a heavy one um it's probably not my favorite fell but it's up there and let me get to my last one this way we can mm-hmm. take a quick break sure. uh, and move on to the next one my last one is a fantasy flight game based off a video game that i enjoy and not the app version one. Oh, the uh, basic one and it's because i got the co-op expansion for this game oh wow okay it's it's that good i love the co-op part of it and that is fallout Mm -hmm. i'm a huge fallout the video game fan i have one and two on this computer that we're recording on that i play from time to time i have three in new vegas sitting up on my for my playstation 3 in the living room as well as uh fallout 4 on my ps4 he's such a fallout fan he actually likes 76 <laughs> like i i don't know why but no <laughs> i actually never uh played 76 neither have i i, I, don't know I wanted to try it it's just i don't like multiplayer games sure. and for me uh, fallout should not be a multiplayer game it's sense. a solo experiment uh, experience except in the board game form. in the board game form it's really good i thoroughly thoroughly enjoy this board game and it um i have all the expansions i have the co-op expansion as well as the new california republic so you can play the stuff that you get from the first two games in new vegas as well as um stuff from fallout 4 in their expansions stuff like that uh great game a little lucky but i love the dice in this game because it's the vat system system. because uh, some monsters require you to hit their arms so you got to make sure if out of the three dice you roll arms (laughs) and hit them at least as many times as they're supposed to it's great uh i love the board game i have a great time great minis great production from fallout uh from fantasy flight so i understand why some people don't like it but the co-op makes it phenomenal. I, I'm going to give this a recommendation and that and on the fact that 
I don't care about Fallout. I don't care about the theme. I've never played the games. It's not something that interests me. This is a really good board game. I stand by it. And it's a very thematic board game. And there's a lot going on. And it's a longer game. I This game has everything I shouldn't like, like about it. And you enjoy it. And it is a really good game. I have to show you the co-op part it. of it. I One of the things that makes it really neat is that the fact that you unlock different like quests as mm-hmm. you make your decisions and it has like this whole branching storyline. You still do. It's super neat. Yeah. I'll give it credit. So, yeah, good pick on this one. It wouldn't have been on my list because I don't own it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it would have hit... Yeah, I don't think, yeah, it I don't think my, it's, it's your kind of way. style. Yeah. No, but I still really appreciate it for what it is. So, uh, yeah, we want to thank... Um, we want to thank Creative Chaos, as always, for tuning in to us. And uh, Ralph Wiggum, I think it was the name. He joined yeah. us a little bit earlier as well, asked his questions. So thank you all both for tuning in. And anybody else who tuned in, uh, twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames, tuning in live to watch us film this. As well as all video re-uploads can be found on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what you, we do there, or here, it, three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you are not like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. All audio versions can also be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you ever have any suggestions for future episodes or just want to reach out and say hi, you can contact us directly at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as you can also get in contact us uh, in contact with us on our official Twitter account at EBG Podcast. So we want to thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Everyday Board Games. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board games.